just read, uh, um, and to do it as briefly as I can. In verse 10, uh, the scripture reads this way, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That's what the angel said as he encountered the shepherds who were out in the fields with their sheep. You know, one of the uh, things we enjoy about the service is the opportunity to sing uh, Christmas carols. Unfortunately, we can't do it from the congregation. That's why the uh, worship team does it on our behalf. But, you know, one of my favorite uh, Christmas carols is one that's entitled, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And in particular, there's one uh, line in, I think it's the first verse of that carol. Uh, it ends this way. It says, The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Thee being Jesus. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And I want to think briefly about it uh, from the passage, but also from life. What does it mean for our hopes and fears to be found and to be met in Jesus? You know, um, some years back, I remember coming across an article uh, in The Atlantic, which is a, uh, a magazine in the U.S., and it, with this sort of, uh, it's almost a clickbaitish title, right? Secret to a Merry Christmas, skip the mall, go to church. They were citing a study that was done in the University of Missouri, and uh, the study was um, uh, done to examine the types of experiences and activities uh, that are associated with holiday well-being, obviously done in the U.S., and they asked uh, over 100 respondents ranging from ages 18 to 80, you know, to answer questions about their satisfaction, their stress levels, their emotional state during the Christmas season. And also, you know, questions about their experiences, how they use money, their consumer behavior. And to cut a long story short, you know, these were the findings of the study. First and foremost, that if you emphasize family and spending time together, you always find that there's greater happiness. Uh, if you emphasize religious beliefs, it was also linked to greater happiness. But lower happiness and greater stress was reported when spending money and receiving gifts were the most important aspect of the holiday and in giving gifts or consuming in a way that was environmentally friendly also led to higher happiness. And finally, men were generally reported ha uh, happier and less stressed at Christmas. Sense the reason because often, uh, not only in, in the US but here, women bear the brunt of the shopping, the cooking, you know, uh, and, and it falls on the woman. So, no, no wonder the man seems happier. But as I looked at it and I thought about it, you know, it sums up basically what they are trying to say is this, that happiness increases when you learn to see the time you have with the family and understand, you know, the religious experiences that surround this holiday, uh, your, your happiness quotient goes up. But if you focus on the material things about spending money, about receiving gifts, you know, that actually causes uh, unhappiness to well up. And that stands to reason, doesn't it? You know, I suspect, although it was a study done in the U.S., it's probably similar to us in Singapore. Maybe not so much around Christmas, but certainly around our own festivals and holidays. You know, in a, a couple of months, a month's time, a little over a month's time, we're going to be celebrating Chinese New Year, which most of us in this room would be celebrating. And, you know, I think the same could be said true of us. But let's be frank. You know, families can be a source of joy and happiness, but families are also a source of fear and unhappiness. Right? Families 
can sometimes be places in which we try to uh, pin all our hopes, but yet we find that they are a bittersweet uh, uh, experience for many. Not all, but many. Because I think sometimes in relating to our families, we're often driven by obligations, for example. You know, in the family, of course, in, in our families are significant people, significant others, for whom, you know, uh, the relationship is, is almost love-hate. I remember years ago, a friend of mine posted on uh, Facebook a status update. She had two daughters, one older, one younger, and she reported what the younger daughter said. She calls me evil, but I'm not truly evil. I know I'm not, because I thought about dipping her toothbrush in the toilet, but then I decided not to. And that's the reality, isn't it? When we think about our family relationships, when we think about a lot of our human relationships, fear sometimes can be an underlying motivation. Fear about whether they will accept us for who we are. Fear whether they will approve of who we are. Sometimes the worry is this, you know, with families where we let our guards down, the more you know me, the more you know the deep darkness that resides within me. And it causes our fears to grow. So what's the solution? Obviously for us as Christians, we believe, you know, and that, as the carol says, you know, our hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight, in Jesus. But have you ever noticed, you know, in our uh, social interactions, if you ever bring up the topic of God, it becomes almost, especially if it's in a mixed company where it's not all of the same uh, religious background, it, it's a conversation stopper, isn't it? it it's almost uh, fear-inducing. I would suggest many of us don't have a room in our hearts. You know, there's no room in our inn for God. And there's a lot of uh, concern. Uh, in, in John's Gospel, John chapter 1, verse 11, it talks about the fact that, you know, he came to his own and his own received him not. But when we think about it, and why one of the reasons I really truly love Christmas is not just because of the presents, you know, uh, on this end of the scale where you give out more presents than you receive, maybe not such a winning proposition, although it's a joy to give. But, um, you know, why I love Christmas is because of this. What the angel said to the shepherds, who were the first witnesses of the birth, besides the parents, of course. It says, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth, lying in a manger. You know, who is afraid? Oops, I was going to show you a baby, a crash scene. It didn't <laughs> load. But who's afraid of a baby? Right? That's the least intimidating uh, uh, thing you could encounter. And I think it's really um, 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 God's way of revealing himself to us, that he came in the form of a baby because he did not want to intimidate us, but want to share with us his great love for us. Jesus is God with us. Martin Luther, uh, the Augustinian monk who started the whole Reformation, he preached the sermon in 1527 on Christmas Day, and he said this, Reason and will would ascend and seek above. In other words, saying that, you know, we would try to try and figure out who God is, you know, and, and find ways to reason about Him and, and, and figure out um, His character and His person. 
But if you would have joy, bend yourself down to this place. There you will find the boy given for you, who is your creator, lying in a manger. I will stay with that boy as he sucks, is washed, and dies. There is no joy but in this boy. Take him away and you face the majesty which terrifies. I know of no God but this one in the manger. In other words, he is saying that, you know, all our conceptions of God will often lead us to great fear because He is an awesome being. He created the heavens and the earth. You know, and we know that He's righteous and He's just and He will judge. But if that's the only impression we have of God, it's no wonder people are afraid of Him. And God, knowing that you know, He needed us to understand Him if we were to come to know Him and to love Him, needed to reveal Himself in a way that only we could understand. He came to earth as a human being. And not just any human being, but as a boy, born in very ordinary circumstances. Now, I'm not here to debunk all the things kids have said. Jesus was not born in a stable. No, although it says he lay in a manger, it was probably in the lower floor because no room for the inn. Uh, <laughs> destroy all your crash scenes. An inn is kataluma, which means an upper room. You know, it's probably a guest room. And uh, the reality is that, you know, he was prob they were probably staying in some relative's home because, you know, he is from Bethlehem, uh, uh, Joseph himself. But the fact of the matter is, he was born in very ordinary circumstances so that we could relate to him and understand him and he understand us. But the story goes like this. Angels said to them, let me read that passage again from verse 10. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. The Christmas story tells us that God came down to us. He didn't wait for us to reach up to Him or to attain His level, but He descended to ours so that we could have a relationship with Him, to know Him. And ultimately, you know, the reason he did that is because he wants to reconcile us to him. You see, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have blown it. No matter how hard we try, no matter what we do, we never ever reach God's standards. And this is what uh, the story of Christmas is about, is that God makes us acceptable, that he saves us, he delivers us. That's why he's called the Savior who was born, you know, Christ is the term a Messiah, the anointed one, the one who saves. Years ago, if you remember, those of you of my vintage, the, the movie Rocky, right? Uh, the first of the many <laughs> Rockies that came out. Uh, there's a scene in which he's uh, speaking to his then-girlfriend, uh, Adrian, uh, and, you know, he's talking to her and he's about to go into the fight and he's thinking to himself, I don't know if I can actually win this fight. 
You know, and there was all these self-doubts, and I'm not going to try and uh, duplicate his accent, all right? <laughs> I'll do it badly, and you all will laugh at me rather than at what's being said. <laughs> but he says this, Come on, Adrian, it's true, I was nobody. But that don't matter either, you know. Because I was thinking, it really don't matter if I lose this fight. Really doesn't matter if this guy opens my head either. Because all I want to do is go the distance. Nobody's ever gone the distance with Creed, and if I can go that distance, you see, that bell rings and I'm still standing, I'm going to know for the first time in my life, see that I wasn't, I'm not just another bum from the neighborhood. That, that whole movie, his whole uh, um, self-identity was wrapped up in staying standing right to the end, and of course, you know how the movie ends. You know, uh, I'm, I'm not giving any spoilers that you shouldn't already know. If you haven't watched it, it was out in 1978, you know, please, you know, find the time to go watch it. But nonetheless, I think, you know, Rocky's sentiment reflects a lot of our sentiments. Because deep down inside, many of us feel like we are bums. Many of us feel that we don't measure up. And all our hopes and fears are often pinned on achieving something in life, whether it be a career or a family or, you know, a good education or whatever else we may uh, see as a quest to prove ourselves, especially to those who are most important to us. That's why I suspect a lot of times our family uh, gatherings are so painful, you know, because maybe we haven't made of ourselves what we had hoped we would do. And the questions that come, you know, hurt us as much as embarrass us. But what Christmas tells us is this, that the most significant person in the universe, he sees us, he knows us, and he loves us. And that's why he sent his son Jesus. This verse is well known uh, amongst Christians and even amongst those who are not. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. Jesus at Christmas was the greatest gift that God could ever give. The gift of eternal life means to reconcile us into a relationship with God the Father. There's another verse which reads like this, Romans chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. It says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If you hear nothing else, hear this. Jesus is the reason for the season. You know, the gifts are supposed to remind us of the greatest gift we could ever receive. And that is the gift of a relationship with God. And that comes through a relationship with Jesus. And as we, uh, you know, remember that the hopes and fears of all the years are ultimately met in Jesus Christ, I ask you the question which was asked in that video of the children. What will you want to give Jesus for Christmas? Right? Someone mixed up uh, Santa Claus and Jesus, milk and cookies, <laughs> he said. But a lot of the kids really got it right. They said, our hearts. To give Him our love. To give Him 
ourselves. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer as we reflect. On that first Christmas, as we give thanks to God for His great love for us, that caused Him to send Jesus to live amongst us, and ultimately to die for us, but then to be raised to eternal life, so that we too may be assured of that eternal life with Him. Gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who loves us. Thank you that Christmas is a season in which we are reminded of that great love. And Lord, even though many of us may still be um, strangers to you in that we do not know you, Lord, you know us. And you knew us right from the time we were in our mother's womb. And you watch over us. And I believe that every single person here is here because you have drawn us to yourself. I pray, Lord, in this Christmas season, in the midst of this difficult pandemic where we have all kinds of fears, not just of our own relationships, even for our health and of our future, I pray, Lord, that this day all our hopes and fears will be met in your Son, Jesus that we will find a way to begin a relationship with you that will assure us of your great regard for us and your love for us. We ask and we pray all these things in your Son's most precious name and all God's people say, Amen and Amen. You now have a time of intercession.